on this bob For a nosy parker, it's an interesting job. Now it's a job that just suits me. A window cleaner you would be if you can see what I can see. Is our Everest. <laughs> Greetings, culture vultures, and welcome to This Is Our Everest, the analog TV podcast that got its own ladder its own bucket and sponge, and its own erection. Oh, God, why did we do this? Was this my idea? This was partially your idea. It's difficult to attribute exact blame. It was found by you on, on yeah. YouTube. So so let's say yes. Oh. But this is, this is a very special episode of the This Is Our Everest podcast, because when you combine this with our advent calendar episodes this is our 69th edition nice i tell you how broken i am by you oh yeah go on is that the other day my wife was watching some things on tiktok all right there was there were some clips of a, a i think it's a channel four show about people who find dogs for sad people and the person who was sad this week was a, a mother and her son and the reason they were sad is because her mother had recently died she had passed away at the relatively young age of 69 right and i immediately turned to my wife and just said nice and now you're getting a divorce yeah well i mean so yeah that's that's mainly your fault isn't it i've got a bindle oh well (laughs) (laughs) oh well it was always gonna happen yeah this week to commemorate the uh, this this proud milestone along the way, we are going to do something a little bit different. It's not a television program, but it is on YouTube. Yeah, we're going off piste slightly, uh, except it isn't because I'll I'll be the shill this evening. I think that this is probably the most this is our Everest thing we've ever done. This is actually an episode of our subscriber-only podcast. That is also true. This is your Everest, in which we go through the things that we feel it's necessary to go through, which aren't covered by the rules that actually I would chuck out the window at the drop of a hat anyway, if it got in the way of this podcast being more entertaining than it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
which is not very. <laughs> Make what you will of that. Confessions of a Window Cleaner is, uh, is, is one of those. It came up on YouTube as a recommendation. Christ knows what it thinks. You know, I mean, it doesn't say much for me, does it? As a, uh, I think it knows exactly what you are as a as a human being. I, I mean, it was gonna, always going to happen. So I sent it to you because this sort of thing amuses me, and <laughs> that before I know it, we're, we're recording we a fucking podcast about it. So you know. yeah. Now the reason that this wouldn't normally be eligible for for. Uh, the podcast is length. It's a feature film, so it's an hour and a half long. 1974, directed by Val Guest, who, you know, had a quite a long and distinguished career and didn't need to be doing anything like this. I thought the easiest way to do this is I'll just run through um, a quick checklist of the major plot notes... Well, I just want to drop in my amazing fact first. <laughs> yeah, and then we can, and, and then, then we, we can we, all, we'll and then discuss. we can. It'll be a free for all. Yeah, and then we can all move on. Okay, so what is your fact? The main character of this film is called yes. Timothy Lee. Yes, the writer of the series of confessions books was Christopher Wood. Yes, Christopher Wood was a nom de plume and <laughs> it was a nom de plume for somebody called Timothy Lee so he named a character in the books after his own real name do you think that do you think that he based everything on his own life as well well the thing about Timothy Lee is that he adapted the spy who loved me and moonraker for cinema from the original book when i'm cleaning windows Oh, okay. So there you go. How about that, that then? That is that actually. That's quite impressive. Yeah. But having seen those films, yeah, uh, it doesn't doesn't massively surprise me. There are aspects to this film that I actually quite admire. Right. I don't think that any of them are meant to be the aspects that you're meant to admire. But we'll we'll get back to that anyway. A plot a, a potted summary of the events in this film. The key events. Yeah, and it's important to bear in mind here, are you going to explain the, the the time period over which we seem to be working? Because so far as I can see, the whole thing takes place within about a week and a half. Yeah, mo- I, I would say that that seems to be a, 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 about fair. Yeah, it's, it's quite a shotgun period of time. In the exciting week of, of Timothy Lee, apprentice window cleaner... Timothy has to assume more responsibility at his brother-in-law Sid Noggett's window cleaning firm. But unfortunately, he's a virgin. He meets Elizabeth, who, to the enormous chagrin of his family, who are all criminals, she's a police officer. While he's out cleaning windows, he obviously becomes a much more experienced sexual athlete Mm -hmm. and feels like going the extra step in his relationship with Elizabeth, the police officer. However, she's very much a believer that true love waits, although confesses that were they to be engaged to be married, it might be a different thing. Upon which, of course, Timothy immediately proposes marriage 
she, yeah. she immediate she immediately accepts and they get down to business. The only reason they don't complete is because she's got pictures of her parents on her bedside table that are looking at him funny and her parents are John the Measurer, John the Pleasurer, and Joan Hickson. Yeah. Well I mean first things first, I'm very disappointed in John Le Majuri I've had to win this it's I'm presumably he needed the money (laughs) and let's be realistic here for a second he's phoning it in Oh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, he's even. You meant you make mention of that photograph. Yeah, yeah, on the bedside table. Yeah. He's even phoning it in in that photograph. It is true. You know, there isn't a great deal going on there. And to be honest with you, I mean, Joan Hickson's not much better, is she? It's... The day of the wedding dawns, seemingly the next day, but unfortunately, Timothy Lee due to a mishap and misunderstanding with some removal men who were ogling a bird. Hey, Fred, how about that for a nice piece of grummet, eh? Uh, See-through Charlie's and all. Yeah, wonder if she wants a lift to Bristol. Her Bristol don't need no lifting, mate. (laughs) Come on, give us a hand with this. Ends up standing Elizabeth up at the altar, Mm. whereupon his best man and brother-in-law, Sid Noggett, parks one up her himself. Yeah. Which leads Tim to a hosepipe-based piece of vengeance that leaves Sidney Noggett with a broken leg. For some reason. Yeah, Sidney, however, forgives him. And while he recuperates, it is now Timothy, who is the experienced sexual performer, who is hiring his own apprentice to keep the company going. No hard feelings then, Timmy, eh? Of course not, Sid. Probably saved me from a fate worse than death anyway. And that, that that is literally end of film. One thing that you might be a little bit taken aback by from from those those plot points is the role that sexual intercourse seems to play in the self-employed window cleaner's daily tasks. Well, it certainly seems as though the entire purpose of this business existing is to ensure that Tony Booth's character can continue to have sex with women who... Loads and loads of married women. Yeah, whose whose husbands are out for the day. And... Yeah. You know I have issues with suspension of disbelief. (laughs) Well, even in this case... I am struggling with this universe in which everybody is completely unlikable. In every single way. Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily say unlikable. I think they are. They're very personable people. But what I will say is they all have character flaws that you can't really look past. However amiable Timothy Lee is, he's he's, still a serial adulterer. He's a... I, I don't know. I mean, look, the thing is that, again, this is like... This is made. This is made in 1974. Okay, so this is like, you know, seven years after the summer of love. And, you know, let, let's be completely honest here and say that what, what what's happened here is that this is the idea of free love being repackaged for, inverted commas, the working classes. And <laughs> what they're basically, you know, their idea of female emancipation is the emancipation of boobs from bras. 
That that's basically yeah. what this is about. That that's... they are they are are suddenly visited by the libido of a man, but without any of the additional agency or responsibilities. Yeah, yeah. It's a world that is written from the perspective of women having the same libido as men. Yeah, which basically means that these housewives are inside chewing the walls. Yeah, but their status otherwise remains completely unchanged, which means that basically the men who go from house to house can just take their pick of these caged tigers. (laughs) And it's completely unbelievable. It's completely ridiculous. It's completely absurd. They have basically... I'm almost minded to say that the way in which they're portrayed, for all we say about them being sex crazed, is that they almost have no agency. Do you know what I mean? It's almost like a complete circle that goes back on itself. And in this world, there are two types of... Well, there are three types of women. There are women who speak in this high-pitched squeak who never wear any clothes. They're absolutely gagging for it, those women. who just want to have sex. That's all they want to do. Then there are the other young women who are nice... And they will definitely totally have sex with you, but they they want to ring on it first. You know, they want to ring on that finger and then you can have whatever you like. And then you've got all other women and all other women are a buzzkill. They're a killjoy. They're standing at the top of their stairs, uh, (laughs) holding a rolling pin and just gently smacking it into the palm of their hand. They're fishwives. They're... Sexless, heavily pregnant women. They're... Yeah, they're battle axes. They're they're just they're there's they're they're almost a subspecies. And this is well, and yeah, this is cause... because we're gonna come back to it and we're gonna come back to it in this podcast. This is a recurring trope in the comedy of this decade. Watching it now, it goes through the path of being something that really makes you angry into just being something that doesn't make any sense. There is not a single line in this entire goddamn film that somebody would actually say to another person. I don't know how to put this. I mean, I'm rather shy and I hardly know you. Don't worry, love. I'm way ahead of you. Would you see if you can fix the flush in the bathroom? The flush? I'd hate you to think I was taking advantage, but sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Oh. Yeah. Thank well, you. Have a go. Meanwhile, if you don't mind, I'll go and get ready. Well, this was a puzzler and no mistake. Get ready for what? I'd feel such a burp bursting in Starkers, only to find her dressed to go shopping. Even when they're actually having sex. It doesn't look like two people having sex. It just looks like two people with one laying on top of the other one, pulling faces. Well, yeah, I mean, when he's taken by Sid to meet his cousin, the burlesque dancer, Lily Lamore. Yeah, but this is the thing. For the purposes of of losing his virginity so that he's ready to work in the window cleaning trade. Yeah, there's whole Um, sections of this film that just don't make the slightest bit of logical sense. 
this fucking bloke, he's heard that his his brother-in-law, his you know his sister's sorry his his wife's brother, is still a virgin, and so his answer isn't you know it's not to take him to a you know to show him a really really fun time. He takes him to like his cousin. Yeah. And. She's a stripper, so therefore she's a sex worker as well. Handy, that. Because you can't, you know, there's no way that there could be any differentiation between those two particular livings. (laughs) So the whole thing is just like, it's sordid without being sordid. It's grubby. It's unpleasant. It's very grubby. And I don't know if that's the joke, because how could anybody have stood back from that and go, yeah, well, this will turn them on a little bit and they'll get a laugh out of it too? Surely they didn't. Well, they might have done, but that's not necessarily high praise for them. In this particular case, his attempts to pop his cherry go awry because he accidentally has sex with a suspender belt. In a sex scene, I have to say, which bears more in common with the transformation in American Werewolf in London than anything else I've seen. Yeah, certainly, uh, yeah, certainly yeah. in the erotic sphere. Yeah, well, that's yeah, that that's 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 fair enough. I mean, it's just there's nothing appealing about it, and it's the same with all of these things from the 1970s. I don't know the extent to which these are supposed to be the accurate representations of where people live but it looks to me like they're living in slums but yeah certainly it's it's got a touch of the in sickness and in health about yeah, it yeah i mean it? this came out within my lifetime i was you know 2 years old in the year this film was made 1974 the most depressing year of the 1970s and it's just <laughs> I don't know, just watching it makes me... Every time they go inside someone's house, it makes my skin crawl. It's dingy, it's dark. I would not sit down on that sofa. I mean, the Lee family home is particularly um, decrepit. They live at number 63, Scrag Lane, which is an astonishing open goal that has been missed. Yeah, what on God's earth are the people who wrote this even? That's that's when I got angry. It's not the the, the jaded sexual politics. Uh-huh. It's uh, open goals like making them live at number 63. Yeah. I'll climb this blinking ladder till I get right to the top. Pajamas lying side by side. Ladies' nighties I have spied. I've often seen what goes inside when I'm cleaning windows. talk about the story of how timothy lee lost his virginity because i mean you you hear some interesting ones but this one's a doozy get this he goes around a woman's house to clean her windows and naturally enough therefore is indoors the whole time he accidentally kicks over her bottle of dish soap which for reasons best known to her, is the sort of five-litre industrial drum that you bought during lockdown. And 
As well as this, the sink is overflowing. Suds, therefore, start to emanate, completely gutting this woman's kitchen. Yeah. However, she couldn't give a toss. She's having the time of her life being ploughed across the floor. At one point, to such delight that she <laughs> she's seen merrily punching the bottom of a saucepan to the extent that it's got a huge dent in it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> What kind of things were going on there? And this is all of his first time, lest we forget. Well, Jackie had certainly taught me how to come clean. The thing about that scene is that it is one of many of the scenes in this film which are just badly put together. He takes all his clothes off. In fact, you actually see him throwing them like across the kitchen. That's true. Yeah. When he comes out, he is completely dry and clean and wearing completely clean and dry clothes. Even though the kitchen is completely flooded. Yeah. Under like yeah. four feet of suds. Yeah. Later on in the film, his sister gives birth to a child, a ba- the baby. She's pregnant for most of the film. Then just before the wedding, uh, she gives birth to the baby. The next thing you see, the ne- almost the next thing it cuts to, it's the wedding day, and they're at the wedding <laughs> without the baby. So, <laughs> who's got this baby? What what's happened to it? Have they did they they seriously they got a babysitter on like a five day old baby? I don't understand. It's a, and the thing is that this keeps on happening throughout the film. I have issues with suspension of disbelief at the best of times. And this film, I kind of went through the the seven stages of grief, really. <laughs> because I was angry. Uh, I was angry at it for being so stupid. Um, <laughs> there was a period when I was trying to find a logic which simply was oh not God. was not there. You were bargaining with the film. Yeah, a bargaining with it. And I wouldn't say it was acceptance because the majority of it was just boredom. I <laughs> must have checked how long there was to go on that film five or six times. <laughs> One part oh, fucking hell, there's still 25 minutes to go. Oh, yeah, God, well. enough. Wind it in. <laughs> One very modern thing about this film that struck me is the main family's relationship with police officers. There's very much that us and them, ACAB, police and thieves mentality. Well, I mean, this does this does hark back, actually, to the original books. Because in okay. the original books, he'd done time for stealing lead off a roof. Oh, okay. So this Timothy Lee is a bit is a bit more clean. He's living a little bit more clean living. I think they changed, like they took that out to make him a little bit more sympathetic to the audience. But the books were originally intended as being about class. You know, the idea yeah. of him of him with a copper's daughter, a senior copper's daughter is central to the storyline. That isn't, you know, in the original books, that's kind of the point of it, is that they're supposed to be about class. But yeah. it's just insulting, you know? 
I mean, I'll just <laughs> let me just let me just read you just read you a little something. In criticising the original novels, sociologist Simon Frith had argued that the books derived their unflattering depiction of the British working class from stereotypes. In particular, the stereotypes which the middle class associates for the great unwashed. Making the series an expression of class discrimination, Sean Barber argues that the film inherited the same attitudes towards the working class, embracing negative stereotypes of it. Sidney Noggett and his promiscuity, Rosie and her hair rollers, and the kleptomaniac tendencies of Mr. Lee all derive from these stereotypes. And this this shit just keeps on perpetuating itself, you know? This idea that somehow the working class are to be... They can't be authentically working class if they're not thieves. Yeah, on the take. You know, if they're not... Although, to be fair... I honestly think that the police should intervene with Sidney Noggett's window cleaning business. Well, because he is nothing but a whore who drives himself to his own appointments. Well, yeah, I mean, he's he's running a knocking shop, quite clearly. Yeah, it's, it's clear. I mean, if anything, he, it's it's what he's putting on his tax return as his occupation, his primary occupation, is a damn lie. Mm. Because I bet it says window cleaner and not gigolo. And on top of that, of course, the whole thing is filmed in Boreham Wood. Yeah. Which, as I pointed out to you previously, does shine a light on the fact that the, um, the, the, the family, the middle class family, the coppers family. The Radlets. The Le Plegeuriers. Yeah, <laughs> their name is the Radlets, and as any fool knows, Radlet is only a very short distance. Radlet is a village; it's only a very short distance from uh, from Boreham Wood. Uh, so it's one stop on the railway line. I was interested. I was interested by that because I worked in Radlet. Well, I mean, when you were there, did you every, every street you you walked down? Did you see a, a window cleaner coming in? Out of an upstairs window, down a ladder in his pants with an erection. Well, no, but the only reason for that is that I think I was about 30 years too late. Um, <laughs> the, the one thing that I would say is that if you watch any of these films, the On the Buses films are all like this. And on the buses, the TV series as well. It's all filmed around Boreham Wood. So if you if you do happen to live there or work there or whatever, you'll be walking up the street one day. And if you're not, this all looks really familiar. And I can't <laughs> put my finger on why. And it's because every yeah. shit sitcom of the 60s and 70s had its fucking outdoor shots done there. And you keep on seeing it turning up, and there it is in this film as well. Yeah. There are two other uh, key aspects I I wanted to touch on. The first is that this film contains a lesbian relationship. It does, yeah. Albeit one that it it does establish the well-trodden 1970s trope that all lesbian couples comprise... A sort of icy, scandy-looking woman. Yeah. And uh, an older woman who dresses up like a geezer. Yeah. Because in 1974, the entire world would have slid screaming off of its axis into the flaming void 
if anyone had, had ever admitted that something else than that was even possible. Well, the interesting thing about that is that he doesn't turn them straight. <laughs> by by any means, yeah, no. He doesn't turn them straight. They're not there for the for the titillation of the audience. It's true, they're not there for the obvious joke. Yeah, and, and so in, in some respects, I'm willing to give that a pass, actually. Even by 2020 standards, it's a... It's quite a progressive view of a lesbian couple. I mean, obviously, he he gives her the advice that he should, you know, she should try and make her partner jealous. Yeah, I mean, look, and she she jumps straight into bed with him. Yeah, which, I mean, it, it's wholly yeah. it's 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 let let's be clear about this. It's wholly out of keeping with the rest of the film. Wholly out of keeping with the rest of the film. Yeah, but it is ultimately. And I'd lay a pound to a penny on this. It is ultimately a more progressive view of what a lesbian relationship might look like than you'd ever have got from on the buses. Or your, or more or less any. Um, now I'm I'm setting the bar limbo high there. Want to be absolutely <laughs> clear? I'm setting the bar limbo high. But but I I, I think that's I, I think that's right. I think yeah. I think yeah, I think that's very accurate. The other key character that I wanted to talk about was Elizabeth Radlett, yes. the uh, police officer who captures Timothy Lee's heart. Now, throughout the film, she is the absolute model of probity and rectitude. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Until isn't the it? minute that she gets stood up, when, without so much as a buy your leave or, you know, a chance for him to explain himself, because he did actually have an excuse. In this particular case, she goes off and and porks Sid. And there is an exact shift in the film. You can see the moment when she switches from this high and mighty moral colossus into just a dirty, stinking, like everyone else. Yeah, but it's ridiculous. And And that's the thing, isn't it, you see? What they've effectively done here is they've they've built up this world in which there's two slash three types of woman. And then um, right at the very end... One of them comes crashing down. They've taken one of them and they've just flipped her into the other one. And for not a particularly good reason. I mean, has nobody reported this to the police? You know, (laughs) is it... Maybe they should be reporting a missing person because it does sound a little bit as if he's disappeared off the face of the fucking earth. Yeah, yeah. And also, it's fair to say that Sid's not really doing an awfully good job of looking for him. No one is. He, 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 went, he went to the church, said he wasn't there, and then it's just sort of stayed at the church. Yeah. No, and no one's looking for him. What had actually happened to Timothy Lee is he walked out of his house and was obviously, on the day of his wedding, ogling a bird's ass. As she walked past. Well, it's a, yeah, in fact, uh, I believe he says, <laughs> "Yeah." Well, I mean, the thing is that again, it's as feeble as it comes. It's really, really lazy, you know. Yeah. So, right, okay. How are we going to get him hundred miles away from the church? How are we going to achieve that then? Uh, I'll tell you how. Removals, yeah, then. Knock him on the back of the head and shove him in a removal. So, yeah, that'll do. But how how are they going to sling him in the back? Because they'll knock him on the back of the head with a carpet, and then you go, "Oh, sorry, mate." 
But no, they don't see that they've hit anybody with the carpet. They don't feel they've hit anybody with the carpet. They don't notice. And when they, they, don't, and when they, they don't, notice his his prone body on the couch, they just throw a dust at you. Yeah, they don't notice that this sofa now weighs 160 pounds more than it did before. <laughs> that it's got a full fucking adult male on it. It's, I mean, he's not a sympathetic character because none of them are sympathetic characters because it's the 1970s. Yeah, but 1974. I think he's got it, yeah. valid cause for complaint when the fact of the I matter so. is that he's been effectively abducted by this removals company. Absolutely. Has got himself back there as quickly as he possibly could. Yeah. Not easy in a world where there's no mobile phones or anything. Only to find that not only has no one contacted the police or even (laughs) started looking for him, but his bride, rather than being concerned about his well-being, has just fucked off and banged his brother-in-law. His (laughs) brother-in-law, who should probably be at home Tending to his newborn child, which I can only presume is there on its own. I think he does deserve a broken leg at the end of that. I'm not, I'm not saying he doesn't. It's des- not clear. It's not clear how he he sustains. Yeah, it. I, 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 I'm not saying he doesn't deserve a broken leg. He deserves a broken neck. But, but he, he, the, the, then it's it's you know roundly agreed that oh well it didn't work out with Elizabeth why not what do you mean is she she not open to any reason at all and she got caught having sex with his brother it's not it's I just don't like I say it's the whole thing is cobbled together and it's like okay we, we need to get from here to here anyone got any ideas and it's just the first thing that comes out of somebody's mouth seems to be what they've gone with. It's not clear to me whether or not Timothy Lee ever gets to pork Elizabeth. I don't care. I don't care. He was willing to take a matrimonial in order to have sex with her, which actually, when you think about it, is pretty ironic. (laughs) Yeah, well, I I don't I don't know. I mean, I just find... I, I just found it exhausting. And like I said, by the time it got to this stage, I was just bored with them not being like real people. This is... This is just crap. None of these yeah. people are saying any... Like, we've already established that there is no serious attempt here to actually have a plot that's worthy of the name. This is just a series of devices for jumping from topless woman to naked woman to topless woman to naked woman. That's all that's that's all that's really going on here. So that leaves them with two things yeah. that they need to do. They need to A make me laugh and they need to B <laughs> give me an erection. <laughs> now on, and they're failing really on both counts. And they're failing on A because it's just not funny. And they're failing on B in no small part because A Yeah. No one's going to get a bonk on with jokes that... That shit. Who's going to get a bonk on with Robin Asquith naked buttocks liable to hone into view at any moment? Yeah. I mean, I, well, don't, I don't know. if he's Maybe maybe Mrs. Asquith. 
Possibly. Credit where it's due. We've got two multiple appearance klaxon inductees. I'm surprised it's only two. Uh, well, I, I was a little bit surprised it's only two. I might need to read the uh, IMDb cast page with a gimlet eye. But Bill Maynard, who was in 321 Christmas Special. Yeah. And Dandy Nichols, who was in the Incident Health Christmas Special. Yeah. Because obviously Dandy Nichols always plays... Tony Booth's mother-in-law and he always lives in the same house with her well that's, that's his MO isn't it Tony Booth well I mean the, the thing is that um, is that Sydney I think it was a deliberate policy on the part of the filmmakers to get all these people that were familiar from television in yeah I, I, that's gonna, I think so I, I can't believe that they wouldn't have been cheap um <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you know, because I mean, this, this, let's let's be reasonable here. This film was shot for a budget of one hundred and fifty thousand pounds. Yes, and that was not very much money. Most of that was uh, getting John Lemage in it, I think. Well, I doubt if he was very expensive. I hope not, because <laughs> if he was, they'd been done. I mean, I'll put it this way, right? Okay. Also out in 1974, The Conversation. You seen that, Gene Hackman? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I have seen The Conversation. Okay, you've seen The Conversation, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, six minutes shorter. And confessions of a window cleaner. Production <laughs> budget, $1.6 million. Oh, okay. And you can fucking see it because this has been shot with a quality street team of a hole punisher. It's it's grimy and dirty and horrible, and you couldn't go near any of these people, they'd stink. <laughs> Especially in the Lee's house. It's that house smells like cigarettes. So brown ale, fried eggs. regret. Smells of fried, fried eggs. Oh, fried eggs, yeah. But yeah, that, so the whole thing is just this... I don't see the appeal, and I do not see, in all honesty, I don't see that it would have been appealing in 1974 either. I mean, they were successful, yeah. these films, you know? They Well, they sustained a, a franchise, you know. I was going to say, I, I doubt you're interested in seeing any of the other ones. I personally, one of the reasons that I wouldn't want to see any other ones is because at the beginning of this film, Robin Asquith's character, Timothy Lee, is a virgin. Now, unless they're all, it's like a multiverse thing, and he starts as a virgin every time, I don't really want to be in a universe with a progressively more and more sexually experienced Timothy Lee. Mm. Because he's bad enough when uh, he doesn't know what he's doing. I should imagine that they just... Hit reset, and it's just, and it's going to be. Oh. It's probably going to be the basically the same character as well, isn't it? It's just going to be the same, you know, the same. As long as the last one is confessions of uh, dot 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 to the police, and they're all going down for what the uh, what is a series of rackets. Some of them very dark rackets indeed. I, I just hated it. Yeah, it's your fault. I think you it's. It. I, I didn't pick it. Yeah, how you? I found don't. it. I think. The, I think you picked it. I think. Well, who? How could I have picked it if you hadn't found it? 
What? <laughs> well, if you hadn't found it, it I could wouldn't easily, have picked it. Could it could easily have come up in your recommendations. No, you see, it's interesting. I think it's always more likely to turn up in yours. It is interesting to point out that the film Frenzy about a sadistic serial killer popped up in mine. So, you know, maybe maybe we should have watched Frenzy. Yeah. It's got boobs in it, but not as much muff. This film's quite muff heavy. It is, yeah. There's, muff, there's, muff rich. Yeah, there's quite there's quite a lot of uh, quite a lot of beaver. Proper good old fashioned muffs. Yes. None of these shaven havens that you get these days. Good good old fashioned big birth. Oh, all right, muffs. all right, all right. Bloody hell, calm yourself down. Right. Jesus. Well, don't watch Confession in the Window. Don't watch it. Don't watch it twice. No, definitely don't watch it twice. What are we going to watch next week? Next week. We are going to stay in the most depressing year of the 1970s. All right. Because it's been a long time since we've done a quiz show. It has been a while. It has, hasn't it? Hasn't it been a long time? It has. So we're doing The Golden Shot with Charlie Williams. Oh, my God. With Charlie Williams. Charlie Williams, well. me old flower. So there's one to look That's going to take some time to sink in. It is. It is. Yeah. I'm looking forward. To, I'm looking forward to getting our, our little potted history of the uh, hosting duties of the Golden Shot out of the way. Yeah, well, you maybe, know, maybe we could even get some sponsorship from Wilkinson Sword for that episode. Strombo. <laughs> <laughs> we'll drink it while we watch it, and yeah, while we record the podcast, oh, we'll drink it and record the podcast live whilst drinking it. Yeah, I'm, I'd be injecting it into my eyes, I think. Yep. Something to look forward to there, then. Fucking hell. So there you go. Confessions of a window cleaner. Do not darken my door again. I mean, I on, I was thinking before this, there was a period when I knew that we were doing this, but we hadn't watched it. Yeah? <laughs> and there was a, During that period, I did think to myself... Maybe there's a podcast in nineteen seven shit nineteen seventies comedies. And I'm sure there is. Having seen this one, I'm sure there is, but I'm almost certain that I don't want to be the person who's actually recording it. I think it'll be a very choleric and angry podcast. Oh, how long's it gonna be before you just run out of things to say? Well, yeah, that is very true. Right. How how long? What a load of bullshit. But the golden shot next week, so it'll all be back it'll all be good. Me old flower. Me old flower. We'll be back same time again next week with our crossbows. And our and our cans of strong bro. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> Thanks very much for listening. And goodbye.
Barbara, Barbara knows it, Parker, it's in 